Yeah, so I had the in-laws in town this weekend. I forgot to – I think I told you this. I oh, text yeah. Message, but, man, it's like uh, – first of all, I, I lucked out, right? My in-laws are very cool. Like, we get along really well. But literally, my father-in-law comes down for the weekend with half a bottle of Crown Royal and a uh, travel humidor full of cigars. <laughs> <laughs> ready to go <laughs> he's making he's making a weekend of it huh? yeah he was ready he's ready to rock man so oh that's hilarious yeah we had a uh, had a good time had a good time got a chance Very to take nice. them out a few different places and then otherwise just kind of chilled in the pool i think what was that sunday yeah i think sunday or saturday night him and i jumped in the pool too um and just like smoked a cigar and hung out and stuff you know so yeah. uh but uh yeah it was a uh, Good weekend. Put a, put a few miles in on uh, on over the course of the weekend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah those, was, those uh, get harder to recover from after a while, don't they? Well, that's the whole thing. Is like we had a pretty big Saturday, so then Sunday we had already had it sorted out that that was going to be you know just kind of a pool day. But it was like nobody even wanted to drink much on Sunday because there had been <laughs> more than enough happening on Saturday. Everyone, I mean, we still drank some, but it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was much more laid back for sure. Oh my gosh. That was the uh, 4th of July party we had uh, at your place. Was that two years ago? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the the alcohol, the bottles, the cans. It was an epic amount of consumption. I think Hefe's, uh uh, wife ended up like getting up and graciously cleaning up everything at the pool. And I, I, well, I don't even know what she said, like 110 cans. It was something like just, it shouldn't have happened. And yeah, I don't remember if that was the record or not, but I know the record I think is 125 like cans and bottles it was, around yeah. the pool. It's like you I come out the next morning, it looks like the Rolling Stones had been there. <laughs> In 1975 or something, right. you know. <laughs> uh, I just remember no, but like I literally, I think I just laid on a pool noodle and just drowned in the pool that next day. Like, <laughs> dude, I can't do this anymore. I am too old for this. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, this Fourth of July was pretty good too, though. But uh, uh, we had a good time. Uh, but it wasn't nearly better. as crazy. Yeah, no, no, no. no <laughs> it was uh, just the right amount of crazy. So That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, if you're ready, I'll go ahead and get this sucker started, man. We got plenty to talk about tonight. Yeah, we do. All right, All right let's do it. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Right, welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know what's happening with our fading here. Nothing's fading as it's supposed no, to. It's, so no. having some uh, having some issues, but uh, we will we'll get that fixed. I'll uh, fire the sound guy. But mm -hmm. uh, welcome everybody. You get the horn show, Tad and Jeff here, and uh, good to see you, bro. Yeah, man. You too. How was the weekend? You guys getting anything? Uh, you know what? We dog set. Uh, oh. Yeah, my uh, brother and sister in law have a uh, have a bully. It's a uh, mm. like three four months old. So yeah, we uh, we dog set. It was uh, it was nice though. He, he's a good dog. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah, then. My didn't destroy enjoyed, the house uh, or anything. No, my dog enjoys having uh, company. So yeah, <laughs> he was having a good time with them. <laughs> nice, nice. 
Well, we got a lot to talk about, man. And, uh, you know, we have a little bit of breaking news we'll touch on first, which I thought was pretty... This is a fascinating story. Penn National Gaming, uh, which, you know, they own, of course, the racetracks and all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, they're big on online gambling and stuff. So a while back, they bought Barstool Sports. Barstool has tons of podcasts and shows and really big on social media. And at times have been a little controversial. And uh, and so, so Penn buys Barstool. And now it comes out today that Penn is selling Barstool back to Dave Portnoy, who was the former owner and the founder of Barstool, selling it back to him. And almost simultaneously it was released that Penn and ESPN are going to be teaming up for a new gambling betting thing uh, called Bet ESPN. And so, first of all, it's crazy because, you know, you look at the deal between Penn and Barstool, it hasn't even been that long. I mean, gosh, within the last year, um, I yeah. believe. And uh, then, you know, they, so they bailed on it already. They initially bought uh, a... I, not, that's true they did own a 36 percent stake or something and then yeah and then later on bought the whole entire um the whole entire thing which didn't go over well with uh barstool's uh uh fans um they were not too happy you know considering yeah. them to sell out and everything i i mean I, I i don't get too much into barstool content um you know I, i'll watch some of their stuff online like some of yeah. their clips um um uh, who is it uh barstool cat is that his name i don't remember barstool big cat yes big cat and then um pft commenter which is commenter, so funny yeah. that that dude has made <laughs> such a career he literally was a pro football talk commentator commenter yeah and has turned it in and he's great he's like those two i can watch like those two like uh, i enjoy watching them the other yeah, I mean, stuff that's someone like... we need to have on the show <laughs> We yeah, need to understand yeah. how this happened. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think he's a, a big Washington fan, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I think, Commanders. Uh, yeah. Um, but I enjoy, I enjoy watching them. The other ones, I, I don't like, I don't get too much into the other stuff. And I know a lot of people do, but um, yeah. Yeah. That's uh that it's a crazy deal. Um, so from what I'm reading, they essentially just gave it back to Dave Portnoy. So yes. I, they bought it for half a million dollars or half a billion dollars <laughs> and essentially gave it back to him for nothing with the exception of if he sells again, they get 50% of it. What yeah, a deal which, for Portnoy. <laughs> I, it, it's kind of crazy, right? It, it's like, yeah. so I'm looking at this and you figure, okay, they spent this money and he, he got something like a hundred some odd million dollars out of the sale and then they have it and yeah they just they give it back to him with just that caveat like oh well we get half if you ever do yeah. sell. he's already said oh, well i'm not gonna sell it like well, yeah i don't even, why, why would i need to sell it again yeah, right i got everything i needed the first time i sold it yeah. and i didn't have to give it back yeah but here's the big thing so this became really clear to me and everyone probably that this had to be about ESPN who's owned by Disney. Yeah. Not wanting to be connected to Barstool. 100%. And that's definitely a big part of it, but there is another part. 
Penn and ESPN, that deal uh, is worth $1.5 billion over 10 years. Penn is paying ESPN $1.5 billion over 10 years for this partnership. So now you look at it and you go, okay, so they didn't even raise any money by selling back. So now they they just spent 1.5 billion with ESPN. They have to be incredibly confident <laughs> that this is going to make it make sense because you spent hundreds of millions of dollars to acquire Barstool and now you just gave it away for free to yeah. be able to have the right to spend $1.5 to team up with ESPN. I, it's just crazy when you look yeah. at it from a business perspective. I mean, it just shows you how much money there is in this online gambling. I never understood the partnership between Barstool and Penn, Ga uh, Penn Gambling. I, I yeah. never understood it. When it came out that they were I'm like, okay, I mean, is Barstool getting into the gambling business? Like, I thought maybe, I, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me. Like, it just, I don't quite understand how that translated to... Uh, you know, to, to gambling. It, it yeah. just, I, I didn't see the connection, um, but there's a lot of things I don't see connections to that. I don't understand like um, the well, Pat McAfee um, and, and his partnership, like yeah. it, it, that one didn't really make a whole lot yeah, of sense. Like to Fanduel, me. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Like that one didn't really make much sense to me. And, but you know, it's like these gambling sites want to be involved with these, you know, these online format, you know, shows I, I maybe just to promote i suppose you know you got a lot of people watching and listening that you know you can promote on there a lot i guess that's well, about the only thing i can think of but i mean i also think it's your core audience right like like if if i'm a gambling site and i'm really trying to get sports gambling people the sports gambling people are largely the sports fans so i guess it's like that's my targeted niche audience like that is my core demographic so if i can buy into that i can just hammer them constantly with you know ads and everything else and really there's no cost to me to advertise with them because i own it i own it <laughs> so i don't have to pay for advertising yeah and i'm able to advertise directly to my core demographic so yeah it's, um, it's very possible they do so much other stuff on barstool outside of like i feel like sports is really secondary to a lot yeah. of stuff that they do. I mean, they do some good, they, you know, they do some good interviews with, you know, sports people, but they're not talking betting lines and things like that. No, I, they're definitely I've more seen. about entertainment. Yeah. I mean, so, but whatever I, for Disney or for, yeah, for Disney, for ESPN, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, love or hate ESPN. And I'm very indifferent to ESPN. I, I will, yeah. you know, watch football. I'll, maybe watch you know nfl live outside of that i'm really not watching however i will pull the app up to check scores you know check stats things like that i will they're still my go-to for that because they do such a good job with that um they're yeah. on-air stuff i don't really care about outside of yeah. like actual live sports so this makes a lot of sense if they're looking to get into the gambling business that they can spin their their espn app into uh, ESPN slash gambling app. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, to me, I mean, um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. That makes more sense to me than Barstool, but. Well, it does. Uh, here's the thing that I think is funny. Uh, you know, I was 
kind of thinking through this ahead of the show and it's kind of, you know, you have gambling, which is heavily regulated and you have network TV, which is heavily regulated. Barstool, more from the internet and social media space, not at all regulated. No. And and if anything, that has hurt ability to make certain deals uh, and things like that because because there might be one individual show on Barstool that somebody found really offensive. And, you know, these big brands, they're staying away from that type of stuff. Nobody wants to take any risk. And so there was an interesting quote, Dave Portnoy on Twitter, I guess, do, are we calling it X now? I, I still call it Twitter. Yeah, I'm not sure we, uh, how you're supposed to. I, I The one article I read, and I want to think of it was like Forbes, they actually, uh, about the uh, the sale was actually like, x formerly twitter so I, I suppose it is x yeah I, I i'm never gonna call it x so. no i can't i'll be years away from uh from actually calling it x but yeah, yeah. portnoy went on there and said we did this deal about three years ago uh, meaning the deal between barstool and pen gaming he said we did this deal about three years ago and i think both parties were like we're gonna take this thing to the moon portnoy said and i think we underestimated how tough it is for myself and Barstool to operate in a regulated world where gambling operators, the New York Times, business insider hit pieces are effing with the stock price. Every time we did something, it was one step forward, two steps back. We got denied licenses because of me, you name it. So the regulated industry probably is not the best place for Barstool Sports and the type of content that we make. And look, I mean, I, I mean, Portnoy is always like, it, he, he's always like that, though. I mean, it's always someone else's fault. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, just clean your content up. If like, right. <laughs> that's what you need to do, you know, it's just. But we do talk about it even on this show where it's like, you know, we know if there are certain topics that we touch on, advertisers don't want to be part of that. YouTube, when you know, because the show is a podcast, but it's also on YouTube and you know different platforms. YouTube, a lot of times for our clips or our segments, they don't want to run advertising around them because we talked even even about something that might be historical record, historical fact, a crazy story, or or a newsworthy story of some sort of like murder mystery or whatever true crime type thing. YouTube won't touch that stuff. And, you know, so you do have to look at it and think, hmm, okay, well, you know, there is, there, there is some difficulty there. Penn clearly was okay with that because they thought they were going to be targeting a lot more gambling uh, and bringing more gamblers in. I've clearly never seen any numbers of, of Penn's growth during the Barstool era, but I do know their stock price didn't do anything stock great. And it has down. skyrocketed yeah. since they announced the deal <laughs> yeah. with ESPN and cutting loose Barstool. Yeah. It's really been shooting up today. No, that makes, um, no, it, it all makes a lot of sense. Like I said, I think that partnership makes a ton of sense. Um, it's just, you know, it's another one of those things too, though. It's like, <laughs> It's probably a whole different subject, but you've got all these uh, football players and players being suspended for gambling and everything now is revolved <laughs> around these guys playing and gambling more yep. so than it has ever been in anyone's lifetime. 100%. That, there's never been a point in time in, in anyone's life that gambling has been more at the forefront of just about everything that goes on sports related anyways. Yeah. 
and you know these guys are going out here making bets and and getting suspended and it's like man this is like you guys advertise this and these yeah. are the guys that you're essentially betting on you know whether it's a team or a player or whatever right. you, you partnered know, these, with these, them yeah so you're partnered with them but you're telling your people that that are being bet on like nah you can't you can't partake in this so yeah. it's just it's quite the double standard and it's you know, now you hear like there's a supposed like this you know secret uh, ring of uh, gambling that's been taking place. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot yeah. of high profile sports athletes that are involved with it. So I'm waiting to see if that ever hits the fan. But you know, yeah, it's it's, it's funny, but it, it at least makes sense for ESPN to be involved with that. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. I mean, I've made a better two here and there. I mean, I'm not real big on it because i'm terrible on it so <laughs> i mean i try not to try not to waste too much of the family's money on uh, <laughs> on betting so <laughs> well here's what's interesting too is what does this mean for DraftKings and fanduel because they previously advertised with espn oh, in order true. to get their odds wow. and their product in front of sports fans so here's what's funny in the aftermath and this is when we're talking about the aftermath when we're recording this This news came out just a couple hours ago. So this is very new. DraftKings shares fell nearly 10% in after hours trading after the announcement came out. So in a press release, ESPN said ESPN bet will become the network's exclusive sports book and Penn entertainment will receive odds attribution, promotional services, inclusive of digital product integrations, traditional media and content in integrations and ESPN talent across jeez uh, I'm sorry man I'm all over the place and ESPN talent access among other services that collectively generate maximum fan awareness of ESPN bet and ESPN chairman Jimmy Pataro said in a release the strategy here is simple to give fans what they've been requesting and expecting from ESPN Penn Entertainment is the perfect partner to build an unmatched user experience for sports betting with ESPN Bet. Hmm. So ESPN is also turning away a lot of money by taking this deal because now DraftKings isn't going to advertise with them. FanDuel isn't going to advertise with them. But it does drive those places to have to move to someone else. Um, And so... It's a, you know, it's going to be very impactful for the sports industry in, I think, a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. I mean, it it, it just has to be done right. I mean, because, you know, you, the market is so saturated with sports book stuff now. I mean, yeah. DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, uh, points bet or whatever, you know, there's... 15 million of them out there, you know, that, so it's ESPN is just one more. Now the bigger, they're a big name, yeah. but you know, it, it's, if it's not done right, or if it's, you know, it, it clunky or whatever, you know, they could, they could lose themselves a lot in that too. So um, yeah, they'll have to do it right. But I, I mean, they're, they're positioned to, I think to do it. Uh, and, and for ESPN, I think they could do it well. We'll see. It's funny that the guy says, uh, hey, we're given uh, what what the fans want and deserve. And I'm pretty sure all the fans want is just to hear sports and not political commentary <laughs> on every single show. But yeah. that might just be me that wants that. <laughs> so. Well, it's really crazy because when you're looking at, at this stuff, I mean, ESPN, 
honestly has not had great success when it, you know, involves their apps and all of these different things. No. They had so many. Remember, they tried the ESPN phone thing. Oh, they had man. their own phone service. Then, yeah. you know, they've done the ESPN. They had it something else, the ESPN app, and then they changed it to ESPN Plus, and then they try to do paid content with that, but they'll bundle it with cell phone providers like Verizon and stuff for you to get free ESPN Plus and all kinds of stuff. But um, uh, they never seem to get traction at all. Like no, ESPN so seems to be one of those things that's almost like, you know, we did a, we did a, uh, a story a couple months back about the death of AM radio in cars and stuff like that. Cars getting rid of AM radios. And this is the kind of thing where it's like, there are certain things that, you know, radio does really well just because you're a passive audience, you're in the car, right? So you're going to turn the radio on. I almost feel like in some cases, ESPN success has been people are familiar with them, right? They were first to market and they're on TV. They're there. So when you're flipping through and you're looking, you don't have to try to find that, that regional sports thing that's going to show you a score. You can go to ESPN and you can get it all. But when you start to put them in a destination, it does not seem to carry well for them. People aren't really reading and following things like the ESPN app and the ESPN. Man, they're trying to build out their podcasts and all these things, but they just don't seem to get a ton of traction with that stuff. So it, it is interesting that maybe something in their research makes them think that, you know, that gambling is a little more sticky and keeps keeps the, the fans with them longer. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I, I would think that would be the case. Like I said, I, I just, I'll be curious to see how they compete with like DraftKings, FanDuel and those because they seem to have, at least from my experience, they've seemed to have done it right. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I'll be very curious. I mean, have they given a time frame? I mean, I know this is all brand new, but how fast they want this thing to come out and be ready to go. I mean, we're looking at football seasons here. Right. So it's, you know, it seems like this should have been a deal that should have been done in the summer and maybe been prepared for it. But, you know, I guess you got basketball coming up and, and different things. So. Well, they say that as part of the deal, the companies are going to launch a branded sports book, ESPN Bet, this fall. So it will happen this fall in 16 states where Penn currently operates mobile sports books. Hmm. And then Penn will pay ESPN $1.5 billion over the next 10 years. And they're going to grant ESPN uh, warrants to purchase 31.8 million shares of Penn worth. $500 million, which will vest over the same period. So essentially they're letting ESPN buy into Penn and they're spending their money with ESPN. So uh, they're hopeful that that 1.5 billion that Penn is giving ESPN, the ESPN is going to take some of it and turn right around and buy Penn stock with it and uh, keep them elevated yeah. as well. I wonder how much uh, stock Portnoy got from Penn because you know, he's had to like, that couldn't have been an all cash deal. I'm assuming that had to be some, uh, some stock involved in that. So he's going to make out really well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy is just, he is sitting pretty man. And I don't know the details on that. It's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, don't know. Yeah. That would be an interesting one, but he is a, uh, look, I mean, people knock the guy. I get it. I don't really care too much one way or another about Dave Portnoy, but I will tell you one thing. The guy has built very successful things. I mean, Barstool alone, who, who in the world would think that you build that up to selling for over half a billion dollars 
and then they give you the company back for free. Secondarily, during COVID, he started creating those pizza reviews. He became the most powerful, most watched, most influential pizza reviewer on earth. This dude had the ability to go in, stand in front of a place, have a couple bites of pizza, give it a score, and it became a destination. It still does. Becomes yeah. a destination for people from all over the country to go check out these places and they track Dave's score. There's nothing about him that makes him a pizza expert. He's just the no. guy that eats it. And then yeah. it's just like people that flock. So it's like when this guy, for whatever reason, when he gets involved, it does seem to uh it does seem to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. it's uh yeah, he's definitely uh uh built quite a quite an empire for sure and i know during covid he was helping out a ton of small businesses and stuff so yeah you can't knock him for that i mean even if it's for publicity or you know cloud as the kids say right um it, it was still a good thing that he did so it, it's hard to knock that for sure i, I mean uh, he's not my cup of tea but I, I would still listen to some of the stuff they do you know i still follow him on on Twitter. It's just not, I'm not gonna, I, I don't even know. Do they have a website? I don't even, I'm assuming they do. I've never been on it. So, you know, <laughs> me either. It, yeah. So it's just not, you know, I don't even know what half the content is that they have. I've seen some stuff and it's been fine, you know, it's yeah. been good. So, yeah. Hey, this will be, uh, this will be very interesting to see how it goes forward for both, uh, Barstool and, and for ESPN and Penn. So, yeah, very true. Very true. Well, as we wait to see what happens with that, let's talk about another crazy sports situation right now, which is, and this is one of the weirder ones. This is one that seems so innocuous that there's no way that this could turn into a story, and it has blown up. The Baltimore Orioles, who are going through one of their best seasons in recent history, they are first place not only in the American League East, but in the entire American League. They have the best or second best record in all of baseball, depending on when you look at the standings. And things are just booming. And then the other day, news comes out that they suspended their announcer. And you would think like, okay, well, what the heck did the guy do? Um, and... <laughs> It doesn't really make any sense because he doesn't like the announcer was talking about the Orioles. This was going into a game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And he's just talking about the fact that they've struggled against this team in recent years. And they have the opportunity now to do something that they haven't done in, you know, in several years to, to win a series. And, and look, this is still a really good Rays team. So this isn't like we're, you know, like the, the, the Orioles are, beating them at a time when they're, you know, really bad. Like this is still an excellent team. Oh yeah. They were first place pretty much. I mean, they got, they were the hottest team yeah. to start the season. Um, still, you know, I don't know, 30, 22 games above 500 plus 147 run differential. Uh, they're a phenomenal team. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're very high. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just kind of like he, he, comes out of the blue. He says this, which again is nothing wrong. I mean, I listened to it. I've listened to it several times now. It's been all over the news. And like, there's no way that anyone listening as a, as a, a baseball fan of either team or just a casual person observing 
would have heard those comments and ever thought anything about it. Like never would have had a reaction, never would have had a thought about like, Ooh, that was a tricky comment. He said, man, I don't know. He's taking a shot at the team. Not at all. And, uh, and then it turns out he was suspended by the team, uh, which the team has now kind of come out and claimed that they didn't really suspend him and that they look forward to hearing from him again soon. So it's just a really weird situation. The guy's name is Kevin Brown. Um, but you know, the, the, the most comment that the Orioles have said is we don't comment on personnel matters, but we look forward to hearing Kevin's voice soon. <laughs> you can hear it anytime you want. He is yeah. the announcer for the team. Like, what? what is the issue? Like, why yeah. would you not hear it every day? Right. Every he's time the play-by-play voice. He's, he came in in 2022. Uh, he's worked for the team in a variety of broadcast capacities since 2019. Uh, and he's done work for ESPN as well. And so, yeah, he called the, the end of the team series against the Tampa Bay Rays July 23rd. And then they, he got moved to radio after that for a series against the Phillies. And then he's been off air completely since July 26th. And no one knew why. There hadn't been an announcement. He was just gone. <laughs> Any yeah. idea what happened? It's the weirdest thing. I mean, like, you've, I'm sure you've heard the, the video. A- am I saying anything wrong here? Am I exaggerating this in any way? I listened to that thing three times because it was, um, I, I can't remember the, maybe it was Awful Announcing who um, put uh, the tweet out about it. And um, they're like, this, these are the comments that got you know, Kevin Brown suspended. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, <laughs> oh, what did he say? Yeah. And I listen, and I'm like, oh, oh, I must have missed it. Right. Is this the whole clip? Let me go back and listen again. And then I'm like, I, I don't hear it. And then go look through the comments. And then nobody else is like, oh, it's this. Everyone else is like, what am I missing? Right. And it was, <laughs> and it was graphics up on the screen that he was literally just reading. It's like, so it was the whole, you know, production team everybody like put these graphs on the screen He's yes. literally just reading like how <laughs> so you're just upset because what like i don't even know what peter angelo's will like, even he be upset pointed about. out the struggles that they've had the in the team? past yeah but you're saying that in relation to how well they're playing now and that they have like you have to give some historical perspective right it's like yeah anytime two teams are playing each other you see it in football all the time and in other sports where it's like, oh, they've lost seven of their last 10 to this team. They haven't beat this yeah. team at home since 2016 or whatever. That's all the guy did. And he's saying, like, this, what a great year this is. What a different year for the team. And, you know, all of yeah. this stuff. You got to have some historical perspective on it or it doesn't, like, who would care? Now I've heard a lot of stuff come out that, like, the they're not allowed to talk about former players uh, they're not allowed to talk about payroll, even though like they have like the twenty eighth, um, <laughs> the, <Right. laughs> the twenty eighth lowest lowest payroll in in the big leagues. It's just very weird. But Angelos is like, man, he is one of those guys um, that it, it, he just seems so petty. I mean, oh, that was yeah. the whole thing when um, when Washington Nationals came in and they uh, there's a sports um, station in in the DC. Virginia, Delaware, it's called Masson yeah. and Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, which is owned by, um, it, you know, at them. 
And so they come in and, you know, it, there was this whole big deal about them splitting time on this, you know, so now there's Masson and now there's Masson too. So he's a very, very petty guy. <laughs> it's just, yeah. dude, like it, it, your team, they're talking about your team, not about how cheap you are, about how, you know, <laughs> like inept you have been as an owner or none of that stuff. They're talking about how good you are. And now, now you've got other announcers from other teams coming out to, in defense of Kevin Brown and, and just saying, what a disgrace this is. And it's like, man, you just, you're ruining, yes. you're ruining a, just, a, just a this magical season, season going on. Yeah. Like, why would you, why would and you now you're just muddy it ruining. with this? Yeah. Now that's all anyone's talking about. They're not talking about, you know, any, any of this, the players on the Orioles, not talking about any of that stuff. They're now only talking about this and your absolute pettiness. It's just yeah. it, unbelievable. It's just a, another owner that just can't get out of their own way. Because yeah. this obviously didn't come from the general manager. What does he care? You know, right. like, <laughs> this has to come up only from the top. So yeah. it, it just you're just ruining. Like, why? Just why? Why? Keep your mouth shut, man. Just well, enjoy and you finally the run. have attention on you. Like, so maybe in past years you could have done this and no one would have paid any attention to it because nobody was, there were like right. 6,000 people at the game and, you know, the team was, you know, 50 games under 500 or whatever. But now you have attention on you. Now you're being treated like a legitimate team. You can't just randomly make these crazy moves and just think that, you know, people aren't going to notice it anymore because they right. do. You're in the big leagues now again. Yeah. So yeah. pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> It's so strange. strange. Just, just stupid, man. Like I said, you just, you have, uh, you're just a, a season that you haven't had in 20 plus years. And, and this is now the only thing people are talking about. Not the fact that you're beating the Rays, not the fact right. that you're in first place, best record in the league. You know, they're talking about you and suspending a guy because he pointed out, Facts that were on a on a screen. He was just literally reading words right. on a screen, <laughs> <laughs> and you suspended him. And now coming out and saying like, "No, he's not suspended." Come on, man! Like, <laughs> just stop. Yeah, it's just, call it what it is, man. I mean, just yeah. and and maybe even I don't know. Consider owning up to the mistake. Like maybe just say like, hey, you know what? I mean, this will never happen, by the way. But no. maybe like, hey, you know what? They're whatever overreaction. Yeah, we we were so excited about how the season's going, and we, you know, whatever we misread that situation, and we shouldn't have done anything. But you know, the only reason that this dude is going to be brought back is because it's become such a big story yeah. and they're getting hammered for it so badly. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, who knows? He might've been suspended for the rest of the season or something. Yeah. You know, Why you just, just don't know. Let him go, fired him. And now like, what the, does he want to be there? Like, you know, right. one of the, one of the other announcers guys, and I, it was a Mets game and I don't forgive me. I don't know if it was the Mets, but you know, play by play guys or not, but you know, he was like, there's 29 other teams that would love to have this guy, you know? So if you don't want him. There's 20 other teams that would love to have them. And yeah. I mean, and, and here we are like, you know, again, Orioles already have 70 wins and we're talking about an announcer. Most people don't even know who the announcers are. I, right. I mean, <laughs> unless you are a major fan of the team. Now everybody knows That's right. who, 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 you know, who <laughs> this guy is. Hey, he just, might, this might be a great little come oh, up yeah, opportunity this, for him, man. Now he's high absolutely. profile. 
absolutely absolutely 100 percent. you know we're, we're not talking about uh you know adley rushman or you know anyone right. like that <laughs> you know, we're talking about kevin brown and not the kevin former uh, pitcher kevin brown no, uh, not the former <laughs> pitcher <laughs> not at all well it's funny because you know peter angelos is in like very very poor health i think he's still alive but he's in very very poor health the team is really being run by his sons now and so there's an insider in baltimore that says that he has reliable source that Kevin Brown's currently suspended over a comment he made again during the race series. That comment was the Orioles have won more games against them this season than the last two combined. And apparently John Angelos, Peter Angelos's son did not like that comment and took action and suspended him indefinitely. And there you have it. Wow. And in fact, I actually have, should we play a clip? I have the clip. Play the clip. Should we play, mean, yeah. should we play the clip for people? I don't want people sitting here and uh, not knowing what we're talking about. So they can, they can choose it, choose their own reaction to this. See what we see. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today they've already clinched at least a split in the series winning two of the first three and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today it's been a minute the Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June they had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field you have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two at the top this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole video. <laughs> so not. <laughs> It just, I, I mean, you thing. listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, wow, cool. Yeah, they're doing really well this year. It was not like, <laughs> it wasn't even like, hey, they suck so yeah. bad for so long. They finally Yeah, this team was a laughing stock. This team yeah. was a joke throughout the right. league. Like, no, nothing no. like that. No, this team sucks way less than it did before. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, man, I don't... Uh... I don't know. It's just terrible. It's yeah. The level of, I mean, just it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, I I got news for you. You know, we just saw recently Dan Snyder sell the Washington Commanders. The day is coming, and Baltimore fans definitely hope it will be that the Angelos family sells the Orioles. Um, it's it's gone on for a long time and there have been some good times and bad times, right? It's not quite like the commanders where Dan Snyder yeah. it and just kind of, it just went, stayed downhill. Uh, there have been some good times, you know, in general for, for the Orioles over the years, but very inconsistent. You know, I mean, they played, what was it? 2016, maybe in the American league championship series. Um, that I actually went and, you know, and I, and then b before that they were in the wild card and I was there as well. So like, I mean, again, we've talked about the show. I'm an Orioles fan. And so, you know, I know in this particular instance that like, you know, the fan base 
for a long, long, long time has been praying that the Angelos family would be willing to sell that team. And they just haven't been. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future, but uh, it's, it's, it's just crazy, but Hey, listen, maybe Kevin Brown's gonna be able to parlay this into something even, even better for himself. Right. Yeah. So just got to hope, yeah. hope for that. At I least. mean, yeah. Got it. Got the world. Uh, the world's his oyster right now. He should take it. Sure later. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get off of some sports stuff and let's talk about some other some other interesting things that I have found and that I thought would be, would be worth talking about. This, actually, I got one more sports thing. I just have to say this one. I saw it today. It doesn't have to be a long conversation, but I saw it. I just we got to talk about this soccer. And I hope not. I hope everyone didn't immediately turn off uh, their <laughs> devices when they heard that word threw their phones out the window and <laughs> no thanks uh-uh. uh, <laughs> but soccer so the u.s women's national team just lost a totally unexpected fashion totally shocking disappointing loss for them uh people were very surprised at the way it went down and when they got bounced and you know and and got kicked out of the the, the world cup so I saw this, that believe it or not, Megan Rapinoe's missed penalty kick that led to the worst USA Women's World Cup finish in history was not the team's most humiliating performance. In 2017, the U.S. Women's National Team thought it would be a good idea to play Dallas's under 15-year-old boys team boys under 15 years old the u.s national women's team lost five to two (laughs) to under eight under 15 year old boys in dallas uh they lost five to two so yeah i just thought like I mean, you know, it's interesting too. I saw something today. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to go too far down this this road because for a lot of different reasons. But they were talking about equal pay, this concept of equal pay, and they said that essentially what happens is the U.S. women's team earned a little over three million dollars, and the men's team earned a little over thirteen million dollars. So then they add those all together. It's like 17 million. And then they divide that 17 million equally among all of the players, male and female. Now, how exactly is that fair? Like, <laughs> I, like it's almost like in a restaurant, right? Like if I work at a high-end restaurant, I don't want to be sharing and pulling tips because if, if, if I'm really lazy and I don't work hard and you work with me and you're a hustler and you're out there, like you're the one that should make that money. If I got $5 in tips and you got 500 in tips, should we have to split it equally? Like it doesn't make any right. sense. Like, no, you should make what you're worth. Like that's your value. It's like, if you're a salesperson, you're not sitting there saying, well, guys, Let's all just split the total commission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you're going to make what you've sold. Uh, just makes sense to me. That concept is so bizarre to me. It's no different than like, um, you know, going to a restaurant and, hey, 
let's split the bill and you know yeah i'm ordering you know the the a5 wagyu steak right or two of them and you're getting <laughs> you know a, a cheeseburger yeah like, well yeah i just got a i got an order of mozzarella sticks <laughs> and you ordered lobster thermidor and it's just like oh what's the oh we'll just split it down the middle it's it like, just, whoa. why no why? who does that yeah. work for no one <laughs> and, and considering the revenue that the women's bring it, the women's World Cup brings in compared to the men's, it, it's uh, I, you know what? Let let them do it. I, it's not my money. I don't care. Yeah. Split it however you want to split it. It's just amazing to me that like everyone's afraid to be like, like the guys are afraid to speak up and be like, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why would we do this? You know, we we bring in way more money. Why yeah. would we need to split this? That'd be like the WNBA players, you know, wanting to, <laughs> wanting LeBron James's salary. Right. Like, well, yeah, yeah, because you can't say like, oh, we both play soccer. Well, they both play basketball. Right. So, okay, well, LeBron makes, you know, or, or Anthony Davis making, uh, you know, in his contract extension, making $63 million for the next three years. So, okay, well, so now we'll, we'll take his and then we'll take you know elena deladon's uh, salary you know she probably makes pretty much you know probably close to a million what let's call it two million so that's 65 million so we'll just split it up between the two of them 50 50 does that make any sense no then why would it make sense for the women and the men's yeah. soccer team to do that like it's just it, unbelievable no. And also just for the record, uh, Elena Deladon makes $235,000 a year. Oh boy. I was <laughs> off just a, just a bit. Yeah. Oh, she boy. signed a four year, $899,000. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get this. <clears throat> she signed a four year, $899,480 contract with the Washington mystics. That's an average annual salary of $224,870. All right. Uh, so uh, I can't keep in mind, other... she's one of the best. <laughs> she's one yeah, of the very she's best. She's probably on the tail end of her career. I was trying to think uh, who the other. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. think it matters. I, I don't I, think I it can't. matters. I, I mean, there's, what, what's the highest salary in the WNBA? It's got to be two mil- uh, at least a million, right? Well, we're going to find out. Highest WNBA salary for 2023. Three players will earn a league high. This is a WNBA Supermax salary. Only three players in the NBA. $234,936. That was way, way <laughs> Two so franchises. Atlanta is actually making... Above league, way above league minimum. So, oh yeah, two franchises will pay their top earning players less than two hundred thousand dollars for this year. Huh. So, three players in the league will earn. We'll call it two hundred. I'm going to round up and call it two hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. That's supermax salaries. Another seventeen players, seven of whom are the highest earners on their respective teams. We'll get two hundred thousand or more this year. Two franchises, the LA Sparks and the Atlanta Dream, don't have a single player making two hundred thousand or more for the season. 
the way ESPN promotes it, you would think these people are like making just ridiculous money. Yeah. I mean, they got power rankings. Like every ESPN update is about something that's happened in the, uh, in the WNBA. Right. So they're really pushing it. So I mean, yeah. Hey, push it. I don't care. I mean, I don't know that you're ever going to get me involved in it, but <laughs> well, here's what I don't understand just from a, from a consistency perspective. If I'm a bench warmer player in the WNBA, I'm presumably making, I don't know, 80 grand a year, something like that. Clearly, if the best of the best Supermax players, only three of them making 235,000, the worst players have to be making 80. So why wouldn't I be saying, well, ladies, why don't we all just put all of the money into a pool and split it all evenly, yeah. right? Like, why don't we all make $120,000 a year? That's a raise for me. It's a cut for you, but it's equal for all of us. Like, isn't that equal pay as well? Like, I, am I maybe am I oversimplifying that? Like, nope. Nope. if you 100%. want equal pay, why is it only being benchmarked against other leagues and in, in, in these cases, other genders? Um, but like, why isn't it also being just applied to your own league? Yeah. And maybe there is a reason, like legitimately I'm saying this, it sounds controversial. When I'm hearing myself say it, it sounds like, oh boy, people might not like this. But I also don't know why, like what would be like, There'd be nothing doesn't it make sense if it's that. equal pay? Isn't it equal? Right. I mean, then, you know, then everyone else should follow suit too, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, just Giannis like. Thomas Haslam's going to come back for his four, <laughs> 46 season. <laughs> and He's going to make the same amount of money as Jimmy Butler. So yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like, we, we've seen it, right? We talk about it in the NFL all the time, like the rookie deals are slotted now. So that way you don't have guys that can try to hold out and try to get more money. It's all slotted. You know, we've talked about it on this show multiple times that the NFL could really solve their issues with incentive based contracts with slotted salaries. So if you're a quarterback, you get paid X, that's your salary. Wide receiver, running back, and then everything else that you get paid is based on incentives for performance. Makes the most sense. Sure. No one will ever do it, but it makes no. the most sense. No, of course not. No, because everyone just wants to grandstand and and do everything else. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. And the fact that the men went along with it because they were so afraid of being just yeah. shut down and, and labeled, you know. <laughs> sexist everything else like it's just yeah. it's unbelievable hey i don't care you you want to split the money with them it's no skin off my back i just you know it doesn't make any sense considering who brings in more revenue I, it's just it like you said it's just it it would be me doing nothing you doing everything and then i'm getting paid the same even if yeah. we do the same job if you just do the job better than me or you bring in more money than me why wouldn't you get more yeah. of the cut? It just, I mean, you're I don't more valuable to the business. Right, right. Therefore, so, you're going to make more money. So then wouldn't it just be on, like, you know, everyone else, uh, you know, the, the, the fans? You know, is, isn't it more on the fans than it is the players at that point? Right. Like, oh, you'd rather watch men play soccer than women play soccer? Well, I mean, I'd rather not watch either of you playing soccer. Right. <laughs> But if I had to watch gun to my head, I mean, I mean, I'm probably going to watch the men play. I, I mean, yeah. I don't even know when the men's world cup is. Is it already over? I, I literally have no clue. I didn't even know the women's was going on until I saw like they were, uh, you know, a penalty kick, you know, I don't know. It, 
someone they didn't even make it weren't even going to make it to the round of 16 because of uh something and barely made it in and i was like oh world cup's going on okay yeah, yeah no so no, no i spend most of my time actively avoiding knowing <laughs> anything about it. like you're not gonna if somebody comes up to me and says like hey uh what was the score of the world cup last night I, you couldn't if you came into like if you came up and you were just like uh, you spoke in, I'm trying to think of an incredibly rare, ancient Hebrew <laughs> type of like mm-hmm. language. language, like there would be just zero to it's equal to me <laughs> that it's like you spoke with a forked tongue. Like there's no way that I would understand or have any way to talk back to you or respond with that question. I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's like, it would be like if you came to me and said, Hey, did it rain in China today? I, I, well, why would I know? Why would I care? That's <laughs> yeah. going to be what my response is. If you ask me about soccer. Yeah. Here's the thing that's soccer in general. I have to admit, maybe I have a little bit of gender bias because I care even less than that about women's soccer. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, <laughs> that I do men's soccer because yeah. here's the thing, at least men's soccer. Now I, there's messy, right? And like we've talked already on this show about the impact that he's had in soccer. And there are going to be a lot of people that would feel that way. Like, I don't really care about soccer, but boy, the biggest star in the world came like, okay, I might, I might notice what he did or notice the score of a game. There's no one in female and women's soccer or women's basketball that I'm going to pay any attention to unless something bad happens. Or unless Messi decides to become transgender and play on the women's team. There you go. Then I'm going to watch just to see what happens. Yeah. I'll have to check out. Yeah. And I think there's a good chance that I'll go on the ESPN bet and put some money on the U.S. women's national team. I don't know what the odds would be, but they'd tell me and I would place my bet and feel very secure. Place my bet on Lena Messi. Yeah. So anyway, man, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff that that was a strange one uh, for me. So but anyway, didn't want to go too far down that uh, rabbit hole. We already did. But now we're going to go in a completely different direction. I don't know if you've heard about this story or not. I've been we have not talked about this on the show before, but I've been seeing this story for a little while now about this company that's been buying up land around U.S. military bases. Do you know about this? You've seen this stuff. I mean, you know because I sent you the article. Yeah. But I don't know if you would have seen I, it. Like not prior to this, no. So I've been seeing this for a little while, and there was a there's a company, and they're buying up all of this land. And I'm talking about they've now purchased fifty two thousand acres of land near a California Air Force base. And it's Travis Air Force Base. They've been buying the land since 2018. Now, no one knew who this company was. So first it was no one knew who was buying up this land and why. They're buying it all around this Air Force Base. So then they start doing this investigation. They find out it's a group called Flannery Associates. They've invested more than $800 million dollars on 54,000 acres of land surrounding Travis Air Force Base. Here's what's crazy. They've been dramatically overpaying 
for the value of that land. Mm. So people that lived there were just like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like somebody wants to pay me that much. Like, okay. And they don't know. They think it's a normal company, right? Flannery Associates. They're not like, why would I think that's anything? So they've been buying this up. So then people start investing. Who's this Flannery Associates? Legal representation for Flannery says the group is controlled by, quote, U.S. citizens with 97% of its capital coming from U.S.-based investors. But after eight months of investigation, federal officials can't confirm or deny this to be true and have still not been able to determine exactly who is backing the company. So the so-called mystery company has been ramping up its purchases since the beginning of the year, prompting a federal investigation into its intentions. And the Air Force's Foreign Investment Risk Review Office is currently investigating Flannery Associates. And they have no idea. They don't know. Is it tied to uh, a foreign, uh, you know, entity, uh, an enemy, you know, nation? Like, no one seems to know what in the world's going on. 100%. And it's pretty fascinating. Go ahead. No, I was going to say 100%. This has got to be Chinese-based. This has got it to, has be, to be, This right? just has to be ties to China. 100%. Yeah, because they've already bought up farmland. Uh, they buy up a ton of farmland yeah. in America. So, Well, yeah. it's crazy, too, because this isn't the only land purchase that's been happening around military bases recently. So a few months ago... They, a Chinese-owned group called Fufang Group, which, okay, Flannery Associates, I get. Fufang <laughs> Group, I have to say, you weren't exactly trying to be under the radar. Well, sure. But they were buying it up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. They were buying 300 acres of farmland near the Grand Forks Air Force Base. It raised flags about potential spying and was ultimately shut down after pushback from the community. Then there was another project... Uh, it's currently delayed in Green Charter Township, Michigan, following similar pushback on a proposed plant by Chinese electric vehicle battery maker Goshen. Nearly 384,000 acres of agricultural land in the U.S. is controlled by China, and the rate at which they are purchasing land is growing exponentially, the USDA reports. Chinese ownership of American farmland has increased 55% in the past five years. Jeez. Almost 75% of it is located in the South and about 16% on the West Coast. But why would you be buying it up around Air Force bases and military bases? Like, come on, man. I mean, this we got we to gotta be conscious of what's happening around here, right? And I, mean, I, and I don't, how does this not already be something that, like, the military wouldn't already have in place? Like if right. you are, if you own farmland or you own land around a military base, yeah. how is it not something that has to be, I mean, you have the the whole, you know, eminent domain where they can just come, pretty much come and pay you and take Thank half you of your, you know, right. take half your land if they want to, right. To put a, yeah. you know, put in three lanes of traffic. So how is there not anything to do with that as far as sales that have to go through someone to be, you know, to vet it out because, yeah, that I, has to be a real consideration that, yeah. You'd hope. I mean, we've already <laughs> saw the spy balloons go up, you know, and, right. and you know, we weren't going to talk about that and no one knew what, no one knew what they were, but we already have those going up. What, what yeah. causes them to not do other things? I mean, you're buying it up around the, the military bases, like, 
oh no, we just, we really are into, you know, asparagus and, <laughs> and you know? airplanes. And we just like and sitting out here yeah, farming our asparagus and watching planes. Yeah. But here's what's crazy. The plot actually thickens because now the Flannery group or Flannery associates is now going and suing all of the farmers that they bought the land from. And the reason is because they're saying that the farmers all conspired to sell the property to them for higher than market value, intentionally ripping them off. <laughs> so this is real. So here's the thing. They have been in contact with, with families of farmers who handed over their land to Flannery saying that they didn't want to sell in the first place. But since no California laws required them to sell, the land was bargained for by both parties at a much higher price. Like I told you, they were, they were buying it you know, above normal value. Flannery is suing those families for $510 million, accusing them of conspiring together to inflate the value of the land. They say that it's a suit designed to force the farmers to spend tens of thousands of dollars on lawyers and maybe at the end of the day bankrupt themselves. And that's already happened to one family that they've gone bankrupt. Uh, and people just can't afford to pay for all of these attorneys. So attorneys for Flannery say that this is a, quote, simple case about a group of wealthy landover, landowners who saw an opportunity to conspire, collude, price fix, and illegal, o illegally overcharge Flannery. Uh, but meanwhile, Flannery is the one that came to them in the first place wanting to buy the land. <laughs> so it's just like, what yeah, is going on? I don't on? understand. Like, what if so if everyone gets together and says, yeah, hey, if they really want to buy our land, then we're not going to sell unless it's this price. Yeah. It, do you either ex accept it or you don't accept it? So are these the people that like they're suing because they weren't selling the land? I don't understand if you got your money and now you're trying to just bankrupt them of their money. <laughs> I know. It makes no it. sense. It's like, so Flannery <laughs> bought this land for $800 million, but now they're turning around and suing the farmers for $510 million, and then presumably to bankrupt them of the, the money, money that they already gave them gave for them? the land. For what reason? You know, uh, like, they're not going to get the money back unless that is the plan, which is that, like... I mean, Flannery already has the land. So, like, what's the issue? Is it going to be that you're trying to get the farmers to give you some of the money back just to kind of as a settlement to make it go away or something? I don't know. It's incredibly weird. Yeah. But you have all of this land being bought up around military bases, which is already not cool. Then, and, and the company's paying beyond top dollar for the land. And then turning around now and suing the farmers who sold them the land in the first place for conspiring to like, just don't buy it. I don't understand. I yeah. Don't, you, you agree to the price. Like I, I, that's odd. There's, I'm sure there's more in depth as far as what they're saying, but I, there, there's, was there not an option not to buy it? Right. <laughs> what was it like? Yeah. Well, well, you had to, I have to buy it. So, <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah. here's the thing. This, this Flannery associates, they now own, land on three sides of Travis Air Force Base. So they have almost completely surrounded the Air Force Base. 
And they haven't said what they're doing with the land or anything. Nope. Haven't said a word. They, they I mean, again, the government doesn't even know who owns the company. Like, they don't again, even know what how, this is how about. Is that, how is that not a thing? It just, yeah. oh, the ineptitude sometimes just is mind-boggling. Like, how you can think of everything, but somehow not, hey, if you're going to sell your land, if you're going to live here, you have to run this by us. So <laughs> someone has to look into this. If we don't yeah. know who these people are buying this, you're not selling it to them. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't I, seem I, that tricky. Phew. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, I just saw that and I thought, man, this is, this is something worth talking about. Cause it's going to come up. I don't think this is going to be the end of that story. No. Like, some things are going to come up somewhere along the line. There's going to be some <laughs> issues. It's just going to happen. So, yeah. Anyway, got a lot of a lot of a lot of those types of things unfortunately going on and it's mm-hmm. a uh you know, until we start to like it's Russia and it's China, right? I mean, that seems to always be the problem. It's always seemed at least in our lifetime, that's always who we've been told to be afraid of is Yeah. the Russians and the the Chinese. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say keep your eye on Canada, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Let's just walk right in. Yeah. We'll roll out the red carpet. <laughs> Freaking maple carpet. Uh, well, here's the thing. So now when we're talking about, you know, airplanes and military bases and all of this stuff, uh, for the third week in a, wo- in a row, I'm going to talk about a horrendous airplane story. Uh, you were not on the show. You were on vacation a few weeks ago. Hefe and I were talking about this. People in Las Vegas were trapped for hours on a plane on the tarmac sitting there. It was a hundred between 111 and 115 degrees outside. People were passing out on the plane and having to be taken off the plane and have medical emergencies and stuff. Then there was another one that we talked about last week, not to be outdone. Seven hours in unbearable heat with no food or water available. That's how one Connecticut woman is describing her experience with the delayed international flight that ended up being canceled. And now the U.S. Department of Transportation is investigating. So this was the ladies from Connecticut that actually had done all of this, right? But the like, because she's put a video out on TikTok and it's exploded and everything. But her and passengers are seen in this video. They're at Newark international airport in New Jersey. Their flight was delayed for seven hours. It was canceled at 1 AM. They were stuck on the plane for seven hours. They said that it was originally around 70, got up over 80 degrees on the flight. People started having all kinds of issues. They said, we noticed it was getting hot. The air conditioning wasn't working. So here's what happened. They got on the plane. Plane was really hot. They started down the tarmac, but then they had to wait. Air conditioning wasn't working. Plane headed back to the gates. Mechanics jump on. Problems seem to be fixed. They're waiting to take off. Starts getting hot again. Captain comes on, says they're going to be going back to the gate and getting off the plane. That process took over three hours. And they did not even get offered water oh my gosh by the flight attendants now it is fha law 
and United in their own books says that anything delayed, I think it's 90 minutes maybe. I'll double check that. But um, yeah, it says United will provide adequate food and potable water no later than two hours after the start of the tarmac delay. And they just never did it. So then, because the flight was eventually canceled at one in the morning, they had to find hotel rooms and book new flights and everything else at their own expense. So that was over $4,000. They got a $400 voucher from United. They're going to Rome. This is an international flight. So you're going on this huge vacation to Europe and you've already lost a day of your trip, thousands of dollars in fees, and you haven't even left New Jersey yet and you've been sitting on a plane cooking for hours. Unbelievable. I mean, like I've talked about this. I've had some some rough flight experiences uh, just with delays being stuck on the plane and stuff like that, but nothing like this. Nothing for seven straight hours that I can't get off the plane. I, I, have, you, have you had anything like that happen? I so you've a ton, but you've definitely it, flown and you've definitely uh, had. So T-Rock and I on the way out to um, Vegas one year, we um, had a crazy uh, early flight, I think, and it was actually one of the connecting ones in Kansas City. Uh, normally, we would try to get, uh, you know, direct flights out there. And I, the plane, we ever actually boarded the plane, but the plane was late, didn't come in, and then all of a sudden needed mechanical work. And then it was kind of like, all right, well, if it needs mechanical work, go ahead and do what you got to do. <laughs> Um, so then I think actually that plane then ended up not being able to be serviced. So they had to bring in another plane. Um, we had a pretty long layover, but it ended up being like, I literally thought we were going to miss our connector. Um, cause you know, those things just don't wait for you. Yeah. Um, uh, ended up being though, we got, we got into Kansas city, literally walked off of one plane, walked once one, like bay over and got on the other plane where we're supposed to have <laughs> like right to the four, next gate and jump four on. or five hours so we got lucky uh that's probably the worst one i think uh, i think that i've ever had um most of the other ones have been i mean pretty smooth pretty fine i mean you know you get stuck sometimes waiting on flights to move through but yeah. you know the kind of the areas we're flying out of aren't like i mean uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we're pretty much major hub. Um, all the airports that we go to, there's yeah. one, two, three, four that are relatively within easy driving distance of us. So I guess, yeah, they're pretty major. But no, never had anything too major. At least we weren't on the airplane for the one that uh, that broke down. Um, but yeah, that's just awful. And why does it feel like it just keeps happening more and more? And then yeah. how is it that like nobody on that what you said united like yeah. how was it in, that nobody on united had the common sense to hand out water or to right. hand, like like wh- where is everybody what what yeah. are they doing like wh- right. I, I, who's not giving the orders to the flight attendants hey hand out some water hand out some yeah. some snacks or and then again, why is it that they're not just getting them off the plane? What is the big deal about this? I don't understand what that issue is. Yeah. After an hour, just get people off the plane. I don't. Yes. I don't understand. It just no, doesn't make any sense to me. 
it's terrible and it is so ridiculous i mean you can't like you're stuck man and that's when that's when it's like you've made it so much worse like i had a flight before when i was in god i don't remember i think denver maybe or something like that and the flight was delayed and delayed and delayed but i never got on the plane it was just delayed 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 just went to the Delta Lounge, man. Had some drinks, had some food, you know, and hung out. It's like, it's not ideal. I want to get home. But at the same time, it's like, you know, okay. But if I was on a plane and I can't even have water, I mean, that's right. a whole different experience. Like my attitude on a delayed flight like that, but I can just spend the time in the airport is very different than you're going to trap me on a flight for seven hours oh. in the heat. I'm telling you, it, I I would probably lose, I think I would lose my mind. Yeah, like I'm not a like I I think I would I would call myself borderline claustrophobic. Yeah, <laughs> like I I don't like to, I mean I don't know who does right like I don't know anyone that just wants to be in the tight quarters with a bunch of people. Um, right. I, I just you know there, there's certain places we go. I don't even know where we were. Yeah, it was like it's this weekend. I was just like, man, there's just way too many people here. I think we we're I don't know, shopping, clothes shopping or something. Um, yeah. And it was just like, you know, my wife's like, what's wrong? I'm like, it's just, there's just too many people here. Like, yeah. I, I just, I struggle with that too. I, I just don't want to be around all these people. Like, right. You know, like, I'm not going to be bumping shoulders trying to find a, a, a you know, a $12 t shirt. You know, it's just, right. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's not worth it. go home and order one. Like, it's right, not, a, right. So, I couldn't imagine being stuck on a plane with all those people and for seven hours, bro. I, I who can you go to the bathroom? How many times? Is it like what? I, I know. I, I don't. Unless I'm sleeping, there's never a time where I've gone seven hours without having to use the bathroom. I yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess if know. you can't drink and you're just sweating, you're probably dehydrated. You're just, oh my gosh, that's awful. Hey, yeah. uh, speaking of. Um, uh, speaking of, uh, of flights, uh, did you see they, um, they found that, uh, that, that, uh, woman that was on that, uh, flight who was talking oh. about that guy not being <laughs> real. <laughs> did they? And That's great. So she is, um, <laughs> bro, she is a marketing exec. Her name is Tiffany Gomez or Gomas. <laughs> And this this chick lives in a one point six million dollar home in Lakewood, Dallas. <laughs> uh -huh. It's so funny. I mean, I don't know why they had to bring out like where she lives and how exactly she lives, but, right. Uh, Here's her address. Uh, but yeah, they. Uh, but but apparently, uh, she claims that she didn't know she went viral because she went on a cruise that week. Then she went back to her her two million dollar home and proceeded not to. Get and to give a crap that's not what it says <laughs> it's just like uh, that was so funny because like you know they were like who is this woman right we see this video and like who is she and nobody knew and now all of a sudden they somehow <laughs> this is what almost a month ago or more yeah. than a month ago this is all the people in the world you're somehow nowadays you can track people down yeah so you can't solve crime a lot of times but man no. you can find a random tiktok yeah. person yeah uh, apparently she's a she's a big time marketing exec lives in a uh, almost two million dollar home. <laughs> yeah, she's not just a random nut job. Yeah, yeah. Sheesh. And apparently now it's coming out that maybe it was over an AirPod. <laughs> it, it's there's just this weird like she thought he stole an AirPod or something, and I, I'm pretty sure that's what she was forced to be uh, forced to be uh, 
telling people. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> man, that's crazy. But yeah, well, that's what happens, man. You get on planes and stuff. People start going nuts. Oh, you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. Oh yeah. And babies going off and crying. People kicking the back of your seats. Yeah. Are you a seat? Uh, what, what's your, what's your take on, um, reclining your seat? I do not recline my seat. You it is not. incredibly rare that I will recline my seat. <sighs> I'm a seat recliner. I will uh, verify and make sure it's okay. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't set that straight. I mean, it's not like it reclines like 90 degrees or something, right. <laughs> but just that couple of inches, it makes me feel like I got a little bit more room to breathe. So, so yeah, you're a straight up and down guy. Ever, huh? Sometimes I will slightly, just slightly move it back, but it's rare. Most of the time I, I do not recline. Hmm. Yeah. Right. I just sit there in agony and uh, oh, you know, yeah. contemplate just... all the life choices until I get to my <laughs> destination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like oh, should I've should I've paid for that upgrade, uh, right? <laughs> and, it's, and a lot of times I will say I will do that a lot of times, not necessarily to first class or anything, but I will usually upgrade my my seats to have more leg room and stuff like that. Like that's good. No, I usually just go the cheapest route possible and say I'll screw it. It's two hour flight or three hour flight, and then it does depend. In. It does depend on the length of the flight. Like yeah. if I'm, if it's a short flight, if it's, you know, just something quick and easy or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Two hour flight or something like that. No big deal. If I'm flying cross country or something or even, you know, pretty long, then yeah, I'll usually upgrade it just to, just to make it a little bit more pleasant at least. <sighs> even if you it's see. just like the, the uh, exit row or something where you, you know, you have more room. So I'll try yeah. to do something like that. Worst you case. see like all these uh, old, um, <laughs> those old like pictures of people smoking on airplanes oh, yeah. and like yeah. the lounge and... area. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone's like cramped in like this. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. You just hate everybody sitting near oh, you, yeah. looking it's around just... like I want to choke that person. I could just envision oh, yeah. myself murdering them right now. And you know, you know, the airlines just squeezing every single inch out of that airplane to try and make it. You know, uh, get as yeah. much money as possible out. Oh, oh, it's just awful. No, I'm not a big flyer. I mean, I will. It's not like I'm afraid of flying. Yeah. I just, uh, if I don't it's have not to, I'm not going to. No, it isn't <laughs> no. fun. It's not anything. No. There's nothing enjoyable about it. That's not for at sure. all. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think, man? Should we get into a little, uh, little quick hits? Let's do it. All right. All right, folks. It's America's favorite segment here. Quick hits. All right. We have a few different things to talk about in quick hits tonight. And I've been trying to determine exactly where I want to start because we got some good ones. And I think I figured it out. I think I'm going to go with this story here that I saw that I just thought was a pretty crazy story. Historic, you know, historically speaking. Uh, this one, you know, we talk nowadays about like the military, we were just talking about military bases and stuff like that. Right. And everything that goes with that. So this in May of 1861, nine year old John Lincoln Clem, call him Johnny ran away from his home in Newark, Ohio to join the union army, but found the army was not interested in signing a nine year old boy. <laughs> 
when the commander of the 3rd Ohio Regiment told him he wasn't enlisting infants and turned him down. Clem tried the 22nd Michigan Regiment next, and its commander told him the same. But Clem was determined. He'd followed the regiment, acted out the role of drummer boy, and eventually was allowed to remain. Even though he was still not actually technically enrolled in the military, he performed camp duties and received a soldier's pay of $13 a month, a sum collected and donated by the regiment's officers. The next April at Shiloh, Clem's drum was smashed by an artillery round, and he became a minor news item as Johnny Shiloh, the smallest drummer. <laughs> a year later, at the Battle of Chickamauga, he rode an artillery case into the front and wielded a musket <laughs> trimmed to his size. In one of the Union retreats, a Confederate officer ran after the cannon Clem rode on and yelled, Surrender, you damn little Yankee. <laughs> Now he's like 10, right? Johnny shot him dead. This pluck won for Clem national attention and the name Drummer Boy of Chickamauga. Clem stayed with the Army through the war, served as a courier, and was wounded twice. Between Shiloh and Chickamauga, he was regularly enrolled in the service, began receiving his own pay, and was soon after promoted to the rank of sergeant. He was only 12 years old. After the civil, now keep in mind, so he's a sergeant in the <laughs> at military 12. at 12. <laughs> <laughs> so after the Civil War, he tried to enter West Point, but was turned down because he had, didn't have any education because he's been in the military since he's nine. He left home to go join the army at nine. <laughs> of course not. And I guess at that time they didn't uh, they didn't uh, give you credit for uh, life experiences like some yeah, of these colleges are doing now, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, I've already murdered people. <laughs> I think I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. So he personally appealed to President Ulysses S. Grant, his commanding general at Shiloh. So this kid who fought at Shiloh <laughs> was fighting under Ulysses S. Grant. Oh my gosh. So. He got a, so, so eventually uh, his personal appeal won him a second lieutenant's appointment in the regular army on December 18th, 1871. And in 1903, he attained the rank of colonel and served as assistant quartermaster general. He retired from the army as a major general in 1916. He served 55 years in the military. He died in San Antonio, Texas on May 13th, 1937, exactly three months shy of his 86th birthday and is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. 55 years in the military. I guess he when started, you started at nine. Uh, yes, yeah, I mean, you should be able to sense. do a lot longer than that, really. <laughs> like, why'd you get out so early? Yeah, early <laughs> retirement, huh? That's it. Five years. That's insane. Must be nice. This dude really took playing uh, army and war uh, to heart, didn't they? Jeez, yeah, man. man. That dude is no joke. And what, so, what was his par- like? What his parents do? They weren't. Did they try to look for him. Like <laughs> just like <laughs> you know, little Clem. He's gonna, he's gonna do his thing. Oh, he's gonna do his thing. I mean, of course, you know, back then, I guess you know. 
getting married at 9, 10, 11, 12 probably wasn't That's out right. of the question. So they were like, oh, he probably ran off and eloped. Right. <laughs> Found himself yeah. a nice girl. <laughs> got married. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a pretty insane story. It's not very uh, current or anything, obviously. No. But, uh, you know, we're talking about military bases and all this kind of stuff. So I thought, mm, okay, that one's pretty fast. Like, this is nine like, years old. Yeah, we're talking about the Civil War, you know, where, you know, a, a rusty nail is an end of your life. You know, this dude's out here, cannons going, muskets going, everything going. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, I take pause when I hear a car backfire because I'm like, <laughs> what the heck run you? <laughs> you know? yeah. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Pretty, That's a pretty... love of, is that love of country is love of war i don't, I don't know what uh, love <laughs> of the north that's love of yeah. just physical violence uh, just, uh, yeah maybe he's just a really violent guy and maybe better <laughs> off that he was in the army because could have turned out to be a serial killer or something that's right jeez <laughs> man that's crazy yeah i mean I, I guess i probably wanted to be a lot of things at nine maybe i should have just gone and done it i mean yeah <laughs> Yeah, don't let them stop you. Yeah, I want to play uh, shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm <laughs> just, just going to go walk until they let me in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that stuff is insane. It's funny how things have changed. Because, you know, I saw something, um, gosh, it was yesterday or today, that, like, from the time the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, figured out flying a plane to the time we landed on the moon, something like 65 years. Supposedly. Yeah, exactly. Hmm? So think about that for thousands of years, humans could not fly. And then once we figured out how to get a plane in the air, it's only 65 years later and we're on the moon. It's like the, 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 the speed, the exponential rate of, of things, you know, growing and yeah. changing and technology and all these things is just incredible to think that you could build a spaceship within what is a, like less than two generations from the time that you first, first were able to put an airplane in the air. You know, it's, it's, uh, I had this conversation with my uh, father-in-law. So um, my wife's um, grandmother passed away. She's probably going on now two years, two years ago. I want to say well, about two years ago, she was weeks shy of her 102nd birthday when she passed away. Wow. And, you know, at the funeral and, and we were just kind of sitting around talking and, and everything. I was like, the stuff she saw yeah. in that hundred and two years is, is amazing. Like, electricity you know yeah. uh you know like running you went from riding know, horses to being on a smartphone you know uh, like, cars you know yeah you know i mean just it, everything like the stuff that you would that she saw television you know it, you know you went from colored television or black and white television to now color vision you know and, and technicolor and right <laughs> you know, just stuff that you'll never see, like we i don't know that we'll ever see that like i, I yeah Yes, we are innovating and doing stuff all the time, but it doesn't feel like like that, you know. We, like we're right. going from 
it's iterations yeah, on something that's right. already happening. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're doing pigeons to get messages out. And, you know, <laughs> now we're, you know, now, you know, she's sending a text message, you know, it's yeah. just the stuff it's that was that that generation saw is, is just, man, like, yeah. it, it, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know if she appreciated it. Like, I, I guess if you're in that moment, the, uh, you know, right. everything's just kind of moving along and maybe that's what it would be. You know, when, when I'm a hundred, they'll be like, geez, you know, you saw the Atari, the Nintendo, and now, right. you know, <laughs> people are getting killed in video games <laughs> now. <laughs> a literal murder <laughs> happening all the time. <laughs> you know, so maybe it would be, and maybe like, we're just not recognizing what right. we're seeing in the moment, but I'm just like, man, what, what a generation, the stuff that they got to see. I mean, it's, I, I would think it would have been fascinating. So gotta be, gotta yeah. be. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, you're right. It's, it's, it is, it's unbelievable. And when you start putting it in perspective, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it is hard. It's such a gradual change over time that, you know, there's it's evolution, but that's the only way that your brain can handle it. Because I do think if you just went from riding a horse to all the way instantly overnight to, <laughs> you know, having smartphones and text messages and flat screen yeah. TVs, your head would explode. You wouldn't be able to manage it. I mean, we always right. saw it happen in back to the future for sure. the people that believe that that was essentially a documentary. This is, this is where you <laughs> see it happen. Like it's very difficult to just jump around and deal with all of these different things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just thought it was uh, just a crazy, like, stop and think about what all the stuff that they've seen. So, yeah. yeah, very true. All right, let's move on. Quick hits. I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to show you a picture of a person having a bad day at work. Mm. That person is guarding the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery during a tornado watch. 60 mile an hour winds, <laughs> torrential rain. You don't think about the fact that that person still has to stand guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. So then, it's like, what's that like when you get home that day? It's like, oh honey, how was work? You know what? It really sucked. Honestly, it's just a really terrible day today. I just stood there in the rain. There was nothing else to do. Like I, I had nothing I could do. Like, oh. That's just a rough day because uh, they say that. So they stand guard 365 days a year, no matter how bad the weather. And they were getting wind gusts above 80 miles an hour torrential rain and frequent lightning and he is just walking back and forth in the rain pretty impressive pretty what? impressive how many hours do they work do they, how, how, like is it 24 hours a day yes the tomb has been guarded 24 hours a day since 1937 that's insane yes so I mean, the, I assume the Tomb of just... the Unknown Soldier, <laughs> even by itself, is a fascinating story. Yes. Um, but yes, the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier has been guarded 24 hours a day since 1937. I'm, I'm very, uh, I consider myself very patriotic. I consider myself, um, 
a lover of America. You're um, a great patriot. Uh, some people have said that. It's been said a time or two. I've heard it said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just heard me say it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the time. So, uh, <laughs> very, very relevant have, to this conversation. <laughs> I may have exaggerated on the two part. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I consider myself, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love America. I, I love this country. Um, is it necessary to do this? Like I get it, but then at the same time, yeah. I'm like, ah, is there some traditions that we, that we can live without? Like, is there, can, can we take a break? I mean, is someone trying to steal this body? Uh, right. I, from what I understand and uh, correct me wrong, I'm saying I'm a Patriot and I, I guess I don't know. This. I, I don't think his body's actually there. If I'm not mistaken, like, I don't know that that tomb actually holds the unknown soldier. I, I thought I, I remember that, but I, I could be completely wrong. So, so, so I can give you the, the breakdown. The, the tomb of the unknown soldier is a white marble tomb. It's the final resting place for one of it America's place, unidentified okay. world war one service members exhumed in France and brought home to the U S in 1921. Since then two other unidentified soldiers have also been laid to rest at the tomb in 1958 and another in 1984. So there you have it. So they are there. I, I just, yeah, I just, I see, this is what's probably going to happen is something bad is going to happen to one of the soldiers that are guarding it. Yeah. And then it's going to become a thing and, and yeah, yeah they're going to do away with it. Um, I would love to see what people think about that. Like I, I, I don't, I, I don't really, um, I don't know. I guess I, I, it's awesome to see, you know, I've been out there. I, I've seen it. It's, it's, it's a very cool thing to see, but I mean, you know, you're talking in inclement weather and, and that area has gotten hit by some bad weather before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I wonder what other people think of that. Like, yes, Hey, it's an, it's a tradition. It's an American tradition or, you know, if people are like, yeah, they could probably take a break every now and again. So, right. Imagine being Christmas. A day. Like, yeah, yeah. Come Christmas, you're guarding that. You know, uh, on New Year's. On yeah, just walking back and forth right just now walking, while we're filming this, someone is just walking, just back, walking back and, and forth. forth by themselves yeah. at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. There is something called the Society of the Honor Guard, and according to the Society of the Honor Guard, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier's guard has contingencies if the weather conditions put a soldier at risk, including for lightning and high winds. The old guard continued its watch even during Hurricane Isabel in 2003, which brought six to eight foot storm surges to parts of Virginia. So I don't know what their contingencies are unless it's literally like you have to be struck by lightning because they're saying like, oh, well, we have contingencies for that. But it's pouring rain. It's tornadoes and hurricanes and lightning and everything else. You're still out there doing it. So yeah. I don't know what needs to happen. Yeah, that's so. I, yeah. Like I said, it's a cool tradition. I just, you know, I, I couldn't imagine even those soldiers would want another soldier to lose their life guarding Exactly. Them. So yeah, a tree just, branch comes down or something, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, it could be yeah. any number of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was pretty fascinating that like, we don't think about it, but in reality, like, again, that's a person that's their day of work. And like you get home that day and whether it's crazy hot outside and you're wearing a full military uniform, whether it's pouring rain nonstop, it's freezing cold, whatever it is. And it's like, you get home at the end of the day, you're just, 
microwave your dinner and <laughs> sit down and yeah. check to see if the Orioles announcer has been allowed to come back to <laughs> call in the games. <laughs> uh, that's uh, it. Like, that's your day. It's like, that's yeah. a day of work, man. You clock out and you you, you head home after that, man. It's I, crazy I assume, and, and so I don't want to get it, uh, you know, I don't want to twist it. I'm sure those people consider it an honor to do something like that. I, I, I'm just assuming, you know, I'm yeah. assuming that's not just a paycheck for them. I'm assuming it's, a, it's you know, something that's of, of honor to do. I just maybe let's take a break whenever it's, uh, you know, 118 degrees outside with, uh, you know, Virginia humidity of uh, 97%. Uh, like I said, I just don't think those soldiers would want another soldier uh, risking yeah. a life over a soldier that's no longer uh, here on the surf. So, yeah, it's but like, can we I, give them a folding chair or something at least yeah, to sit down? Do they have say, to yeah. really go back and forth? <laughs> it's the Seinfeld episode. Remember when the security right? guard was standing? <laughs> Fell asleep. Fell <laughs> asleep. So this is what happens when you give the, when you're not That's guarding right. it. Someone's going to come and rob the tomb. Someone, so. yeah, someone, someone robs the tomb of the unknown soldier. Because <laughs> <laughs> they heard the they were buried with gold. And That's right. <laughs> Again, I've been waiting since 1937, Jeez, but they've always take been Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be conscious of time. I'm just going to roll through some things that, uh, that I have here. Um, I'm actually going to hold this story, so I will hold off on that one. But I got a, got a couple things here. This one, I think, well, sorry, I almost forgot. Quick hit. Thank you. <laughs> so we've been talking a little bit of sports tonight. And I saw this the other day and I thought this is maybe the most incredible stat I can think of. And also one of the most overlooked stats. And this is coming to us from the world of baseball. So far, this season in Major League Baseball, 14 players have already struck out over 100 times, led by Kyle Schwarber with 117 strikeouts. That's actually probably higher now. So, follow me. 14 players have struck out over 100 times so far this season. Tony Gwynn struck out 188 times during the entire decade of the 1990s. <laughs> How is that not something that gets talked about pretty much all the time? Like, how would that not be one of the most incredible things that you can think of? I mean, am I wrong here? Uh, well, no, I mean, he's not, one of the greatest not, hitters of all time, obviously not to, um, not, not to us, uh, old heads, uh, that, you know, lived in the, you know, nineties, uh, early two thousands baseball, right. The, yeah. the great generation of baseball. <laughs> uh, so that's what I call it. Yeah. Uh, no, to us, no, like that was something that, um, that was frowned upon. But when they started to come out with these advanced analytics and, and everything else, like striking out is not a big deal anymore. Like it's yeah. just, it's just not like these guys now aren't trying, you know, with two strikes, they're not 
shortening their swing up, you know, and, and, you know, just trying to slap something out there. They're still trying to just drive the ball over the fence because that's, that's what the analytics say to do strike out a ton, but hit a ton of home runs, you know, batting average isn't such a big deal anymore. It's to me, it's what's made baseball completely just, uh, just boring. I, I, I don't know. Like you, I miss, Ricky Henderson stealing 180 mm-hmm. bases a year, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I miss that. I, you know, I miss, you know, the, the situational hitting, you know, the bunting the guy over. Now it's like, if you bunt like, Oh, what a terrible waste of an hour. And I was like, well, right. I mean, no, you're, you're it, yeah, you're there was a strategy runners. to all of this. Right. You know, and, and it, yeah, like you would root for a player and now it's like, you know, it, it's just, you know, these, these things that are just, made up stuff. Like, I, I don't care what you tell me. You can, you can try to explain it to me and, and, and I'm still not going to believe you you know, this, you know, this war wins above replacement. Mm-hmm. Like, like you would know what a replacement player would actually do in your exact <laughs> same situation. It's the dumbest thing to me. Like I, yeah. I just, how do you know what an average person would do in that situation? Like you don't know. It, it's just, I, I'm sure it's more, but now there's F war, there's B war, and, and you know right. it, it's like all this stuff, and and strikeouts just isn't a big deal. And meanwhile, you know you got Tony Gwynn that, you know it, he, it, yeah, it just never struck out. Like you know it was never. it was a feat. Is you know it was just like uh, it was Sports Center if, if someone struck Tony Gwynn. Yeah, out, you know like. Well, to give you an idea, so so Tony Gwynn struck out. 188 times during the decade of the 90s, okay, for the whole decade. So you think, okay, well, who's the best hitter of today? Well, one of them is certainly Mike Trout. The 2014 season alone, just 2014, keep in mind, 2014 was, I believe, an MVP season for Mike Trout. He struck out 184 times. Tony Gwynn struck out 188 times for the 1990s. (laughs) And for those who are wondering, I don't know that you would even consider the 90s peak Tony Gwynn time because he retired in 2001. He played from 1982 to 2001. So, I mean, that's kind of like, it is technically the second half of his career. So in his prime, but also potentially past his prime uh, there at the end. But even if you look at I'm trying to see like the last season that he played. Okay. So 1999, Tony Gwynn, because he had, he had injury and health issues. So his last two seasons, he played 36 games and then 71 games, but he played 111 games in 1999. He struck out 14 times for the season. (laughs) It's just, it's insane. (laughs) It's insane. No. And this was always the knock on someone like uh, Joey Votto, Uh, Joey Votto, uh, Cincinnati Reds, you know, great, um, you know, all time great, really. Like, never got the do the do he would deserve because people would say he took too many walks. Right. <laughs> like, instead of trying to use all that power he had, he was okay with taking a walk. And it's like, I, this is insane to me. Yeah, that's your like, job. He should strike out trying to smash the ball. And, may, and maybe there's stats that back that up. I don't right. know. I, I just. I don't want my life to be built around all these stats. Like I just want to see, you know, smart baseball, you know, good baseball. And that's what it was for me in the nineties. It was just, you know, it, it was just play smart, get on base, get the runner over. I mean, it was just, 
it was fun to watch and now it's yeah. like everyone's just trying to you know it's all about launch angle and and everything right. else and and you'll strike out you know you, you'll strike out 180 times in a season and still win mvp because that's the way we play baseball now so it's uh it's crazy I, how much has yeah, changed it's it's different i mean it's not my cup of tea i mean i'll still watch baseball but it's uh it's not it's not anything I enjoy as much as I used to. I mean, and I guess I, I, you, know, you get older, you just stop enjoying things as much as you used to. But, <laughs> but I promise I like football just as much as I like football back in the day. Right. Um, I don't like, you know, the way defenses have to play these days. Uh, that, I'm not a big fan of that, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, the way it is now with baseball is just, yeah. And man, it just, like you said, just it's almost like Tony Gwynn was underrated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, he's was. never mentioned among the all-time elites. You know, it's just yeah, that dude just loved to play baseball. And he was just so good at it. Well, I mean, to give you an idea, 1999, as I mentioned, Tony Gwynn played 111 games. This is again his last significantly played season. After that, he played 36 games, 71 games, and then he was retired. So this is the last season that he played a significant number of games. 111 games that season he batted 338 <laughs> and he struck out 14 times unbelievable now mike trout 2022 last year played 119 games so this is a very close comparison tony gwynn played 111 in his second to last season uh, Mike Trout played 119. Mike Trout batted 283 and had 139 strikeouts. And he's in the prime of his career. And Tony Gwynn. So Tony Gwynn, it goes from 283 for Mike Trout to 338 for Tony Gwynn. So what is that, a 65, 70-point increase in batting average? And then it goes from, from 139 strikeouts to 14 strikeouts for Tony Gwynn. And that was, at the end. that was at the end of his career. Yeah. Now, of course, he never had the slugging power that, you know, a Mike Trout has. He wasn't hitting tons of home runs and all of those types of things. You know, that wasn't, he wasn't going to be that guy. Uh, but even in that season, I mean, this is a guy that, that had 62 RBIs. And, you know, again, he's at the end of his career, um, hit 10 home runs. But, uh, you know, when you, when you think about what these people do, and, and not for nothing, Mike Trout only had 80 RBIs for that season that he, you know, his 119 game season. Yeah. So they were very, very close, even in, in, in RBIs. So if you look at it, Tony Gwynn at the very end of his career hits for like 65 or 70 points higher in batting average than Mike Trout, just on the other side of his prime, has a, little, a few less RBIs, but also there's an eight-game swing there. So we'll, we'll, we'll call it comparable, but less RBIs. Uh, but also 100 and <laughs> however many fewer strikeouts. 14 strikeouts to 139. Yeah. So about 115 or so fewer strikeouts at the very end of his career. So 
It is unbelievable. I mean, if you look at Tony Gwynn, his batting average over the seasons that he played, and he played, again, from 1982 to 2001. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 20 seasons. Out of 20 seasons, do you want to take a guess how many times Tony Gwynn batted below 300 for the season? Do. Under 300, Tony Gwynn batting under 300, 20-year career. How many of those seasons did he bat under 300? Half of them? One. His rookie <laughs> year, he played 54 games. He batted 289. That is the Jeez. only season that Tony Gwynn ever, including his last year, his final year, he batted th- uh, 324. Wow. Wow. <laughs> His best year was arguably 1994. He batted 394. Yeah, that was the chase for 400 right there. That yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when you just when you look at what this guy did, 19 out of 20 seasons he batted 300 or higher. The only one he didn't was his rookie year because he only played 54 games. He still batted 289. So there's right. every possibility another couple of games played and he might have uh, ended up at 300 yeah. anywhere. Jeez. So the last 19 seasons of Tony Gwynn's career, he batted 300 or higher in every single season. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So That's a very underrated, I think. But Totally agree. Yeah, pretty. I, I just thought that stat. I was like, how is it possible that Tony Gwynn is striking out for a whole decade in about the same amount that players are striking out in one season now. One season. And like you said, that's considered acceptable. Yep. 100%. Incredibly strange. So, anyway, uh, I guess we can go ahead and get ready to wrap this sucker up. I think we've covered it. Do you have anything you want to touch on before we uh, go into the last little thing of the night here? Hmm. Well, shame on Colin Cowherd. Um, (laughs) <laughs> today on his uh on his show uh naming quarterbacks who will never win a super bowl and this year men- who can't win a super bowl this season yeah and um it's like a ron burgundy moment he's literally just looking through the <laughs> list of quarterbacks and why why this guy was even on there I- i'm not sure uh and mentions uh, Dwayne Haskins, who tragically passed away uh, about this time last year, um, as someone who will not win a Super Bowl this year. Um, yeah, I haven't seen if he's come out with an apology or a "Hey, I'm an idiot." Uh, you know, uh, I was just doing a Ron Burgundy moment here, but it, oh, very, very. Very terrible. <laughs> well, so that's clearly the worst. But if you look at the list, Blake Bortles is on there. EJ Manuel is on there. These guys have been retired for years. They're not even in the league. So what are you talking about? They're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Clearly, they're not even playing professional football this year. How in the world could you? So you have a dead guy and a bunch of retirees. Johnny Manziel was on the list. As quarterbacks who can't win a Super Bowl this year. We know technically they can't win a Super Bowl this year because they're not in the league. Like, is that what you're going off of? Technically win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, why aren't you on that list? 
Yeah, Johnny Unitas. Like, right. yeah, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> right. He's a dark yeah. horse for sure. Yeah. You know, as as as, uh, as good as he was, Joe Montana's not going to win the Super Bowl this <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah, it was a very odd segment to say the least. But then, yeah. like, he had to have hurt himself, and then, like, I don't know if it's just arrogance or embarrassment. Like, my goodness, let me stop that. I yeah. I don't even know why he's on this list. And you know, right. throw it back on like the producers or something. You're right. You right, know, like. Right. Like, guys, Wise. what are we doing here? Who put this list up? Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, just he's getting blasted for it, too. So <laughs> it's, and rightfully so. My yes. goodness gracious. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> and yeah. a bizarre one, too. So I look so at the list. Bizarre. It's like definitely the Dwayne Haskins one, you know, since he's dead and all that definitely is getting the, the attention. But it's like that list is flawed in many other ways. It's not a one off yeah. mistake, you know? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Well, the guys that are currently on the on the NFL pension fund, uh, and you're like complaining <laughs> that they're not going to win. Yeah. Uh, okay. Bold bold take, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hard to argue. I mean, this yeah. thing he's painted himself in a corner. It's like, of course he's right. I mean, yeah, well, no one can dispute sure. what he's saying. These guys can't uh, win this season. Yeah. <laughs> Rumor has it, uh, ESPN's looking to bring him in too after his Fox. I've heard that. Up. Yeah. I've heard that. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. No. I had never been, you know, but I, no. I've never been a fan of a lot of those guys. Um, so agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, I've got one little thing left. As we always do, we like to end with some little interesting bit of trivia or an interesting story. This one's very short, very sweet, but man, pretty crazy how the world would be different if things had just played out slightly differently. In 1973, FedEx had $5,000 in the bank and a $24,000 fuel bill. Founder Fred Smith could not get a loan fast enough to keep the company in business. He took the $5,000, the last $5,000 the FedEx had in the bank. He went to Vegas and he won $27,000 playing blackjack <laughs> Buying time to raise more money. Today, FedEx as a company generates more revenue than the casinos on the Las Vegas Strip. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? He was that close to like FedEx just not existing. He took the last five grand, went and played blackjack, won $27,000, and was able to, to keep the company in business and you managed to, to get that too, like that kind of money in the, yeah. like, oh, crazy 1973. Yeah. Yeah. We got some, uh, we got some stories of, uh, <laughs> of some of our, uh, our, our crew, including Hefe, uh, oh, yeah. going to Vegas, um, to pay for his trip. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah. Yes. His yeah. mode of paying for the trip was, was based on luck when he got there. <laughs> It was a flawed premise, but it did end up working out. It worked out great. He had a great trip, that's for sure. It worked out well. Because T-Rock and I had fronted the money for him to be there. And when we were quite surprised when it turned out that his strategy on paying us back was based on luck. That was uh, that had not been discussed. Uh, he's not here to defend himself, but it, it is. Uh, it was pretty funny. It was like, yeah, guys, that was my that was that was my only money, <laughs> and you. Everyone's like, "What do you? What do you mean?" 
and you couldn't get mad because yeah, he won. Yes, it worked, but thankfully. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> That's it. We won't go into any more detail because he's not here to defend himself. But, yeah. uh, but we yes. do have some Vegas uh, stories we'll have to get into sometime. One of these days we'll have to do a uh, yeah a Vegas uh, retrospective cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. lot of lot of years were shed uh, uh, shed <laughs> off like of us. Years <laughs> and <trips>. tears. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all we all went through went through the uh, ringer out there at one point or another in Vegas. That'll be fun. We'll have to do uh yeah, we'll have to do one of those one of these times because there's so many stories. I think people will get a kick out of them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and and, and honestly, I mean, you know, I'm not going to name any names now because we don't want to ruin it for the episode. But I mean, gambled with some celebrities. We've got a lot of interesting celebrity stories from time spent in Vegas and people that stayed in crazy suites right up the hall from our suites. And, you know, yeah, Yeah. we've got some, we've got some stuff, man. Oh yeah. 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 Literally running into, uh, uh, probably the biggest person on the planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll do a Vegas retrospective, uh, episode one time. We'll do that as a special. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> that'd fun. That'd be a good I one like to that. do. <laughs> All right. Well, with that having been said, I think we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this puppy up. So uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for our for listening to our global audience. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, the army grows every day. We're happy to have you all, and we will continue to do our best to continue to uh, keep you entertained. So, with that having been said, have a good night, everybody. We'll talk soon. See you.